This is the Oanda Podcast. Brought to you by Jazz FM's Business Breakfast. You're listening to the Oanda Market Insights Podcast. Every week we preview the business and market stories with Oanda Senior Market Analyst Craig Earlham. And it's a very good afternoon to Craig. How are you doing? I'm good, mate. I'm good. I'm refreshed. Do you know, since you were last here, our Prime Minister has resigned. The Brexit Party and the Lib Dems basically won the European elections. Don't go on holiday again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is ridiculous the amount of weeks I've sat here uh, doing this podcast, sat yeah. in the office, answering questions, writing notes, nothing's happening, just trying to update and comment on various things that are happening. I go away for a single week and Theresa yep. May finally resigns, like, of all the weeks to miss. I was sat by the pool getting phone calls and all sorts, wanting to ask me questions, and I'm like, I'm on holiday. I, like, this is my time off. Did you do any interviews while you were on holiday? I did not do any interviews. Right. Um, I very much stuck to my guns on this one. I'm sad there's my first family holiday, right. first holiday with the wee man. And, um, I'm marking you down as not a company man. Sorry, man. <laughs> I'm sure the business will agree. I did pass on the details to other perfectly capable analysts who I'm you've sure. heard on this show before. So it's, it wasn't all lost from a company perspective, but I wasn't going to give up holiday time with uh, my little baby and Mrs. Yeah. To All right, Craig, we've got it now. We, yeah. we understand. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, Talk about Theresa May. Yeah, seriously, though, it, it has been, well, it's been a crazy few years, but uh, another crazy couple of weeks. And now, of course, we've got the spectre of everybody bidding to become the Conservative leader. You're running as well. I'm, yeah, I'm going to have a go. We're all running, aren't we? 12 at the moment. 12 people. 12, we're yeah. up to 12. As we stand today. here right yeah. now. I mean, it could be a lot higher by the end of the weekend. It depends yeah. how many people are looking to secure cabinet positions in the next parliament, oh, I, I guess. Oh, I see. Right. That's where you're coming from, is it? It's all about political manoeuvring uh, rather than actually thinking you've got a chance. I've become an incredible sceptic over the last two years, I think. You always were a cynic. Uh, it, it's quite simple. There's, there's a lot of people who have put themselves forward who have no hope whatsoever of securing this leadership who um, are very much the, the names which they're not only just not household names those of us who follow things closely these things closely have barely heard of some of these people so it's quite clear what's happening here we i hear that we, andrea ledsom obviously she ran last time and uh, is is a fairly well-known figure actually former leader of the commons mm-hmm. and uh, a brexiteer I hear that she's been asked to stand down by some in the hope that she might become the next Chancellor of the Exchequer. So that could be interesting for financial markets. It's very, it's it's a very interesting tactic by whoever it is that's leading this charge um, to try and remove what I think is actually a very strong contender by offering the chancellorship, first female mm. chancellor. It, it's almost as if being the first female chancellor would be more uh, more prestigious than being a third female prime minister this you know it, it, this, this mm. seems to be the impression that you that were being given by 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 these reports i think andrea ledsom is very much going to continue to push ahead with this i think she stands yeah. a strong chance but if i'm looking at the contenders which we have in place right now i think boris is almost too obvious and i just i'm not i'm not convinced that he has the backing of the actual the favorite never membership. wins that's that's always the, what they say isn't it yeah. um i think jeremy hunt's probably the real favorite um because he's probably the most well liked within the actual membership itself i think that would be an absolutely disastrous decision we're basically stepping back to 2016 if you put Jeremy Hunt He's in charge of these negotiations. He's not had the best week, though, uh, Hunt, I believe. No, he hasn't. I mean, he can't decide what he believes on Brexit. He can't yeah. decide what he believes on no deal. Uh, this flip-flapping is what we've been watching for the last three years. We can't be going through that again. So I think that would be the disastrous 
but maybe in many ways most likely outcome michael gove is a possibility i think andrea ledsom is almost a dark horse because she's a strong contender she's been leader of the house of commons we know her views she's well known she's to a large extent a household name i think she's probably well liked within the membership she's just not being talked about enough right now because the borises of this world are stealing the spotlight but i don't think we should take that away from her i think she's a strong I, contender yeah i agree that uh, she, she's got a chance gove has got a very good chance because he's somewhere in the middle between rob and johnson I wanted to read something that the CBI, the Confederation of British Industry, uh, Craig, has said today. They've warned Tory leadership candidates over a no-deal Brexit. Director General Carolyn Fairburn uh, speaking this morning that it should not be an option, not even considered. The CBI has indeed sent an open letter to candidates. So out of those candidates, I'm thinking that probably Boris Johnson and maybe Dominic Raab and possibly Andrea Ledson are saying, yeah, I don't have a problem with a no-deal Brexit, but there's going to be a lot of pressure on these people, even though they know that there's votes in a no-deal Brexit as far as the Conservative members are concerned. There will be a lot of pressure for them to say, I won't do it. There will, but then there'll be pressure from the other side to say that it has to remain on the table. And I think this is one of the things that could potentially work against Hunt, even though I've just said he, he may be, in, in many people's eyes, the, the internal favourite. But this, again, is potentially somewhere where a void that someone like Andrea Ledsom could fill. She's a very well-known, staunch, vocal Brexiteer. Um, mm. and, and while she may not be going down the route of some others by saying she almost favours a no-deal Brexit or she would happily pursue a no-deal Brexit, like some would suggest, but by leaving it very much on the table and by having had the past of being a Brexiteer which is something that someone like Jeremy Hunt doesn't have it means that I think she's um, she's more of a favourable contender than people are maybe giving her credit for but like I say it seems that now people are very much laying down where they stand uh, on, on all of this and the favourability for a no deal is a very prominent question that many of these candidates uh, are now being asked and it's almost where they feel like they are ultimately going to uh, be judged on these warnings from the cbi it's not the first time we've had a warning from uh, one of these bodies that no deal would be disastrous it doesn't seem to have had much impact on those fully supporting brexit and no deal just looking at the odds in front of me obviously boris is still the very much the favorite michael gove second favorite dominic raab in third place and andrea ledsom in fourth jeremy hunt 16 to 1 according to uh most well he has had a bad week he was so very much up there he was i look at those contenders that you've just given you've just given the top five right there um I, I i look at those contenders and i think yes boris johnson is probably the standout contender at this moment in time probably like he is the favorite but like you say the favorite never wins and i do think there's too many within the membership that may have a problem the slight difference though craig with this is it's never actually for, for being prime minister has never gone to the members yeah basically i think boris just needs to get on the on the ticket which is two people Mm-hmm. And if other Tory MPs can get together and prevent him getting on that ticket, then it's anybody's guess. Yeah, it, it's, if he gets on the ticket, he's a winner, as far as I'm concerned. I'm I'm not necessarily convinced. It very much depends who he's up against and whether some whether a, a vocal Brexiteer who, who's a bit a safe pair of hands may actually ultimately then get the actual win on that. I think you look at someone like Dominic Robert again, he is another potential strong contender, but then he does have things working against him. He has the fact that he was the Brexit secretary for some time, and he made some relatively silly comments about Dover during that time. He's a bit of a personality vacuum. Yes. Who's fully yeah. backing Dominic Raab? You know what I mean? 
minutes. Yeah. I don't think there's going. There's actually too many. He's he is more of a household name because he was Brexit secretary. Broadly speaking, I'm looking at those candidates. Let's be honest. There's not a strong candidate there. That that's the situation that we well, really have right now. Uh, if I was going to Boris pick one, Johnson's a strong candidate of, for of, sure. He's he's the favourite. I don't think he's strong. I don't think he's. A well, it depends strong what candidate. you mean by strong, really. Uh, I, I I don't think he's a worthy prime minister. Right, I think okay. he was a poor foreign secretary. He's very flamboyant. He's very extravagant. He 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 oversimplifies very complex fan, situations. Then. I I just I, I think it, maybe that's the world we are in now. We've got Donald Trump in well, the US. Yeah. We don't seem to mind these characters. I'm not, strong I'm not necessarily sure that that is uh, where we are currently going to see the UK. But then you just don't know. We are in we are in bizarre times right now. But I, I think if you're looking at those top five, Andrea Leadsom uh, would be the okay. Well, you heard it here first for me. But Dominic Robb looks very much like Emmanuel Macron, don't you think? Two, um, two of them together. They are both male. You have a look at the images and, uh, and I'll, I'll and give compare. that a go. Okay, let's move on to because there are some other matters apart from Brexit and the Tory Shock. leadership campaign. I know. The week to come, we've got, of course, uh, on Friday, non-farm payroll and the ECB meeting. We'll talk about tariffs in a moment or two. But uh, that ECB meeting that comes up um, in the middle of the week and those jobs in the United States, what will be significant about those? Um, the ECB meeting, probably not very much. I think it's worth noting that we are at a time right now where the, the, the Eurozone economy is still very unstable. Um, we've got um, Italy, which is barely struggling to grow at all. It's now facing another budget battle with the European Commission because it's missing its growth targets, because it's therefore uh, likely to miss its deficit targets. And this was a deficit that was negotiated, compromised on with the European Commission uh, not too long ago. The European Commission at the time was warning that it was very ambitious targets that it had already set itself and we have to remember they actually set themselves far more ambitious targets prior to the actual compromise being reached so the fact that they are now missing these suggests we are going to see another standoff the Italian, the Italians, particularly uh, Matteo Salvini, the leader of the League Party is going to be emboldened by the European election results their, their, their party did very well in it they actually did far 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 better than the five star coalition partners so he's going to feel personally very emboldened his party is the from a populist perspective how the populists did across the entire continent it may have not exceed it may have fallen slightly shy of expectations but it was still a very strong showing uh, historically uh, and therefore he's going to feel feel emboldened against the commission but ultimately what's going to um, manage that situation is going to be the markets we saw previously we continue to see that fiery rhetoric but when the markets move against um, you, you, you're left with very few options and I think we may see a, a repeat of that situation just there again it's just going to be how about how the commission handled this because they do not want to stoke further fires in Italy or any other of these countries against the EU they don't want to be seen as bullies they don't want to be seen as um, uh, as overriding countries sovereignty they want to be seen as managing the the project they've got to play a certain game in that situation to bring it back to the ecb i don't think there's going to be too much from them because the economy has slowed we're not expecting any action um I, I, we're not uh, we are going to see new economic forecasts but i don't think they're going to be too positive um, but i don't think we're going to be warning about rate cuts or anything or more qe or anything like that just yet i do i think there's going to be very much a wait and see approach especially given that we do have a new ECB chairman taking over in a few months time from Draghi taking them in their own direction what's the chances that Draghi is going to do um, a, a triche and play with interest rates just before the changeover I don't I don't think it's it's plausible I think it's going to be a bit of a, a non-affair in many ways as far as the US jobs report goes smashed expectations last time out 
markets seem to be a bit confused as to what might happen this time around. Yeah, predicting the jobs report is is some game at the minute. We just need to see a report that just suggests we've got some stability. The issue that we've got right now is we've come off the back of a first quarter, which in many ways was unstable. We had the government shutdown, which is easy to forget. The data was extremely volatile. We then got the first quarter GDP figures. It far exceeded expectations. People were thinking, well, why is this? It turned out there was a lot of inventory building, which gives short-term boost to growth, but tends to come at the expense of longer-term growth. We saw a reduction in imports, which again provides short-term growth, but comes at the expense of longer term growth and by longer term i mean the following quarters i'm not talking any further down the road than that the data has been a very much a mixed bag in many in many ways from uh, even the us uh, at this stage so we need to see some stability but what we don't need to see right now is weakness and i think that's the most important thing because we haven't yet touched on the markets and how they've tr- been recently but the markets have been very unsettled um and i think one of the things we're going to come on to is one of the reasons behind that we need to see a decent jobs report because i think a bad jobs report here could further destabilize the markets at, a, at an unfortunate time last month's employment report though craig was very, very encouraging and very positive and surely should put to bed the notion that the Fed will cut interest rates anytime soon or not. No, I mean, the, the, this is the bizarre thing. This is what this is a, a, a symptom of what we are seeing in the markets right now. We've had some really good data at times from the US, but it's been very volatile and it's been um, it, it, it's been very up and down, particularly on the jobs report perspective. We've got the first quarter GDP figure, 3.1%. That was uh, a very good number until you look deeper into it and you see that one-off factors um, have, have really driven up. We're talking inventory building, which tends to detract from future quarters. We're talking lower imports, which tends to detract from future quarters. So that should weigh on the quarterly data for Q2 and Q3 even. So the data has been very uncertain. We're still in an uncertain environment. Uh, And I think the important thing with this jobs report next week is purely going to be the fact it can't be weak. If this is a weak report at the moment, the markets are very, very vulnerable at the moment. We've seen another uh, pullback in the market so far this week. Uh, People are very uncertain. We started talking about inverted yield curves again, recession warnings. The rhetoric has very much changed over the last couple of weeks, very much driven in many ways by tariff talk, which we'll come to shortly. I think it's very important that we don't see a, a bad report this week week that said as you say we've seen some decent data but it's not really boosted sentiment in the markets we look at the probability now of a, a interest rate cut this year we're not even talking about a hike there's a zero percent chance from a market perspective of a rate hike there's a 92 percent chance of at least one rate cut this year and there's around a 63 percent chance of two rate cuts this year i think that's phenomenal we've got to remember it's it's june tomorrow that's six months. They, we, we, the markets think we're going to see two rate cuts. I personally, I'm, I'm, I'm not convinced we're going to see a single one. But the markets are really pessimistic right now. Either there's something I don't know, or the markets are overreacting. I think it's probably the latter, but I would never discount the former. Well, the uncertainty that you mentioned in the markets is mainly down to the tariff crisis. Uh, we've got the, the China tariffs on hold at the moment until the G20 at the end of next month, and of course. These new tariff announcements about Mexico. So that uncertainty is set to continue for quite a few weeks. Yeah, the Mexican tariffs really came out the blue, and uh, so this has come overnight. It's only a small tariff to begin with, five percent, but these are going to rise incrementally now over the months until the first of October, when they'll reach twenty-five percent if Trump isn't satisfied that enough has been done on border. 
I think this has just really added another headwind, this idea that tariffs is just seems to be the response to everything. Mexico is the US's third largest trading partner. If you're throwing tariffs at all your biggest trading partners, you're, you're, you're threatening the prospects for the USMCA deal to actually be ratified, which is which was about to start its ratification process across the three countries. So you're threatening the, the potential for this to be ratified. It, it's, it's, it's a really staggering decision at a really it's staggering time. It's kind of an economic blackmail, isn't it? It is, and it's this is the tactic. Trump thinks it works. Trump said, "I'm the tariff man. He's happy to do it, um, and therefore he's got, we've got no reason to. He's not going to continue to do it to Japan, to Europe, whoever it takes uh, to get what he wants. The problem is, so far he hasn't got what he's wanted from these tariffs. He's got China to the table, but these talks have broken down at this moment in time. We're not, um, we don't have a, a deal with China. He's done it at a time when there's already tariffs flying around. He's done it at a time when there's already economic uncertainty. He's done it at a time when the markets are vulnerable. I think, I think that's a a bit of a wild decision, a bit of a curveball, and um, it's not helping markets right Is now. Is the hard bargaining with Mexico meant to be some sort of warning to China? Well, how much more of a warning does China need when they've already had tariffs slapped on uh, well, $300 there's a, there's billion? A cer- there's a certain amount of blink that could happen over the next few months, isn't there? I, I think we're going to see all the, all the tactics used with China. We've seen China this week with the precious metals threatening to um, cut off exports of, of precious minerals to the US. These are the things that are used in everything from electronics. China controls the market. China controls around 70% of the market. I think around 80% of uh, US imports come from China. So they're threatening to cut US off from that. We are going to see more tactics like this being used, I think, by the two countries. I don't think this particular one is a warning shot to them. I think this is what Trump sees as potentially an easy win. I think... In his eyes, Mexico back down quite quickly on this uh, and put up more. I'm not necessarily convinced because he's been wrong in the past on how quickly these countries are going to be to back down, and uh, he may there's potentially maybe wrong again. And he doesn't have too long for Mexico to back down on this one because if markets take another 10% drop in the next few weeks, how comfortable is he going to be feeling? I, I don't think he's going to be feeling too comfortable at all. And we're heading into an election year, year next year. This, this, I think this may potentially be a mistake, but time will tell. Okay, Craig, on that note, thanks very much, and we'll see you again next week. I think you've missed uh, one more thing off, haven't you? There's a Champions League final this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> final. I would have thought that would be uh, head of the show. I mean, Liverpool, Spurs, the yeah, yeah. Spurs family, I'm in. Uh, I'm well, very much... I'm in-laws. In-laws. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm very much a, a Liverpool... Uh, man, I think that Tottenham are just incredibly lucky to be in that final and Liverpool will never get a better chance uh, to win the Champions League. If you think about it, Tottenham probably aren't even the top dozen football teams in Europe, but they're there through a variety of means. Incredible story. I mean, it would be an amazing thing if they actually won. Not so good for you. We have to remember that Spurs, I think, what they were on, like two points after three games in the group stages. They yeah. were then... Very similar to Chelsea they when they won the, it in 2008. out of the competition yeah. um, in the quarterfinals only for a VAR goal to disallow it and that was the last kick Madness. of the game. Madness. They were out of it against Ajax only for yeah. a last second goal uh, to see them through to the final. Maybe their name's just already on the trophy and we are all just part of the story. Who knows? I think it's going to be a cracking final. I mean, this is two well, fantastic teams and I think it's going to be a really uh, thrilling final. I just, we really need a trophy after this season. Do you think Tottenham will play Kane from the start? This, this could be famous last words. He doesn't strike me as a, a much of an impact sub. I think he's someone who needs to feel his way into a game. So I think yeah, they'd rather start him and take him off maybe later on rather than try and throw him in and hit him on the impact. I think your Lucas Moore is a, your son's a much better impact But after sub. what Moura did in the semi-final, it seems ridiculous. I, I mean, one of the greatest hat-tricks in history 
Um, he made those happen. They didn't come sort of on a plate to him. Sheer force of will. That would be a uh, tough one to take. But maybe yeah. then Son starts on the bench instead, and um, possibly. Yeah. Uh, and but he's lucky, Pochettino, though, because he's had this three-week break. Yeah. Very, very unusual to do that. A bit like going on an international break before a World Cup or a Euros. That could that, that could help or hinder, though. I mean, a lot of football, it's about the you're you're in the flow, you're in the you're in the you're in the groove, and when you disrupt that, then it can it can have an impact on uh, on on the game. But again, this is going to be a massive game. This is two great teams I think it's going to be Do you think it's going to have more atmosphere than the Arsenal-Chelsea game? I, I don't think I think it's impossible not to to be honest although UEFA do their very best to kill any atmosphere yeah. at these games That was like a pre-season friendly UEFA are an absolute joke let's, be, let's face it they're not taking the clubs they're not taking the fans they're not taking football into into consideration when they're making these decisions on where the finals are staged and how many tickets are allocated well, Madrid's to the a fans. great place come on Madrid's a great is a great place but yeah. it's the second largest stadium in that city alone I mean they could fit more fans in there the Liverpool fans the Tottenham fans have got what 16,000 tickets each in a 64,000 sure seat stadium there'll be a few more in there there'll be a few more scattered yeah. around there always is but I, I it's just, going to be fantastic though isn't it it's, it's going to be amazing I, I'm really really looking forward to let's this hope final. it's a great game though because after the two semi-finals which will surely never ever be repeated in our lifetimes even yours Craig (laughs) you can have two games like that in consecutive days I mean one every 10 years something like that doesn't happen very often but two on the same couple of days is just surely it was absolutely I'm just wondering whether the final will just be after the Lord Mayor show yeah I mean there is the risk of that because you've got to remember uh, Liverpool desperately need a trophy now. We've uh, we lost the Europa League final three years ago. We lost the Champions League final last year. We've got 97 points in the Premier League this season, and we've not taken home thanks, the Premier thanks League for Liverpool trophy. CV there. That's great. Yeah, um, we've we've done a lot, uh, but we haven't got yeah. a, we haven't got the trophy on the cabinet yet. So we desperately need this. Yeah. Tottenham, this is their first final. Both teams could potentially go into this a little bit tetchy and take uh, uh, maybe a little bit wary of the other because they are af- maybe more afraid to lose it than they are uh, going gung ho to win it, which is what the semi-finals both had was both sides needed to go for it because they had no other option so it, it may be a bit of a cagey first 15-30 minutes hopefully not I really want to see a, a great game but we'll wait and see it's going to be like I say it's going to, I think it's going to be a fun, fantastic final and I think either, both both sides deserve to win it maybe just let pull a little bit more I don't think my boys would agree with that <laughs> enjoy the game and uh, I, think I, you're, so. I think you're going to be in Spain actually I am going to be in Spain maybe even in Madrid we'll see yeah you heard it here first good luck <laughs> thank you From the team behind Jazz FM's Business Breakfast, a daily early morning 30-minute briefing for the day ahead. On air from 6am. Listen to Jazz FM on DAB, online or just ask Alexa.